Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, my fellow Liberty lovers, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from. Today is January 23rd, 2024, and this is episode 27 of the Living with Freedom show. I'm Amber S., bringing to you a vision of what living a life of freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in every aspect of life. This show is brought to you by the Living with by <laughs> Living with Freedom Ministries an unincorporated private church and ministry where I help people discover and fulfill their God-given purpose, specifically through the creation of their own private ministry. If you enjoyed the Living with Freedom show or any of the Living with Freedom ministry activities, please consider a donation through PayPal using the ministries livingwithfreedom at protonmail.com email because it's your support that helps keep this ministry's mission alive. All right, so two, two like housekeeping things. Last week, I'm sorry, I was pretty sick. I woke up Monday morning really, really under the weather, went to bed like with all the aches. Tuesday, woke up fully congested. Um, I ended up having to cancel the radio show last week, cancel three consultations, and really just lay low, like, all bundled up and snuggled up and rest. Uh, so I just I needed to pause all the things because I wanted to kick this this cold butt. I did not want it to linger. I did not want it to you know kick my butt. Um, so I did what I had to, and I am back to about ninety five to ninety eight percent. Yeah, so I'm grateful for that that it was nice and quick. And then housekeeping number two. This live show is a little bit later than our normal time. I had some things that I had a deadline to get done at a certain time, and that was conflicting with my radio show normal time, so I um, bumped it back for this week. All right. So for those of you who are new and tuning in, one of my favorite things to do on the show, it's now a tradition, is to share a holiday of the day. And I usually just go to nationaltoday.com for this and just see what random holidays there are each day. Um, I have been known to pick a hol- like a national month of whatever or um, pick a day that's close that has a better holiday than the options listed. But today, <laughs> when I was looking through the list, the second I read this holiday... I knew instantly that I was going to pick it. And I'll, I'll go into why. Don't worry. I won't just say the holiday and then just leave it at that. Because, no, I'm a nerd. I like reasons. You know, I like to know the how and the why, right? Well, today is National Handwriting Day. And especially for those of us who are parents, 
we know that many of the schools are removing cursive or handwriting from the curriculum. A lot of us have also come across the fact that many schools are not even encouraging clean handwriting skills while printing or writing in cursive, if they even offer cursive. And the millennial in me, like the mainstream millennial, which I'm not really anymore. <laughs> I've sort of outgrown it. But <clears throat> the millennial in me asks, why should we care about handwriting? Like, isn't that why we have phones and technology? And then the realist or the awake, not woke, awake version of me realizes that the removal of handwriting, the removal of learning and writing in cursive, I believe is a multifaceted approach with several intended outcomes. First of all, without handwriting, we must rely on computer-mediated communication. You might also see it abbreviated as CMC. Um, it, we must rely on this computer-mediated communication, which can easily be modified, updated, hacked, etc., without our consent and without our knowledge. This is one of the many ways um, to really dehumanize us, is make us as humans reliant on computers. And it feeds right into the fictional corporate entity, which is separate from the human man or woman that we are. This, this fictional corporate entity, it's what the government recognizes on our all caps birth certificate or other legal documents. Now, I am not very well versed on this corporation versus like man, woman status stuff. I know about it. I know it exists. I believe that it's true. And yet I have not dug deep enough into it to then turn around and really educate, uh, you know, others on it. So I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg. If this is something that intrigues you, that sounds interesting, something like you, you know, that you've never heard before, I encourage you to dig into it. Um, you know, maybe some things to search. I've not used these myself, so please take it with a grain of salt. But some things you might use to search to dig into this would be um, all caps identity. Um, uh, maybe like what's my corporation identity, you know, some things like that. Um, so like I said, I'm not well-versed in it. I do believe it's a real issue. Um, and again, it's another way to separate us from our human selves. And the reason is, is as a man or woman, we have natural God-given rights. But corporation-type entities, corporations and other organizations, because they're a creation of the state, they have privileges, they do not have rights. Now, I could also go down a different rabbit hole about patented technology being injected into us and a Supreme Court ruling from like 2012 
declaring that anything that contains anything or any vessel, which our bodies are a vessel, that contains patented technology then becomes the owner of said patented technology. If you need me to break that down a little bit, like shoot me an email about um, patented technology technology ownership. Um, and I will be glad to fill in the blanks a little bit more for you. If you already know what I'm talking about, all of these things are to separate us from our God-given rights. Anyways, moving on with this point, um, all of this ties into why we must use extreme caution also when we consider using AI or artificial intelligence in any shape, form, or fashion. Whether using it for making those avatar versions of ourselves, using it to artificially create professional photographs of ourselves, or even using it to write any sort of content or communication for us. If you don't see why all of this is cause for great concern, please, please read the book 1984 and then go read the book Animal Farm. Um, I've not read that one myself yet, but I've heard that Animal Farm is very similar to 1984. Um, and really the differences in this whole dystopian history, you know, being erased kind of concept is in 1984, this rewriting of history is very much forced upon the people. Whereas from what I've heard, Animal Farm is more about it becoming so enticing that we want to give over to technology. It's made, um, it's created to make our lives so easy and comfortable that we willingly give up our rights for the convenience, for the entertainment, for the ease that it provides. Think about those Peloton and other um, workout equipment, the mirror ones. Now, if you've ever seen the show Black Mirror on Netflix, Black Mirror, if you want to wake up to a lot of these, quote, conspiracies, that that Netflix series is really awesome to check in, into. But the workout equipment, especially the mirror, do you not realize that that literally gives someone with a camera on the other end, i.e. the government then, because they have the ability to hack and spy too, access into your home. Your home is no longer private and secure. If you have a smart TV, if you have one of those smart workout um, mirrors, if you have um, those listening devices that you can tell to play music, to add something to your grocery list, to turn on the light, even our cell phones, which is the hardest part for this day and age, but all of these things our access into our private rights. And until we can really wrap our heads around that and just say no to those things, they will continue to invade our privacy, to steal our information, and who knows what else. And that's why I recommend reading those books because those books give us an idea of what that what else looks like. 
Um, and I will say Animal Farm is very high on my reading list for this year um, for this very reason. Um, if you have a weak stomach, there is a point toward the end of 1984 that is difficult, but very important still. So just FYI, um, I myself, like I don't consider myself to have a weak stomach. Um, and I had to take like two weeks off from listening to the ebook or the audiobook. <laughs> so just start to make yourself aware. Whether your commute to work is five minutes or three hours, you know, whatever. Um, start listening to these books on Audible if you need to. I mean, better yet is to get the paper copy so they can't do another book banning kind of thing. But even with technology, I mean, it's actually easier to erase if you just have a digital copy. But in the short term, if you do a lot of commuting or exercise where, or anything with work, whatever, if you're able to listen to something, but you don't have as much time to sit down and read it, yeah, go ahead and get the audio, you know, the audio book. Do whatever you can to start digesting this information and these concepts. And the last part of this point is that remember that with knowledge comes great power. But without knowledge, we have no power. So start equipping yourselves with the knowledge. Going back to the concept of removing handwriting, point number two is without handwriting, people will not have proper signatures and are, again, relying on the fictional version of themselves that really exists in the computer-mediated communication tech world which we know lends itself to identity theft and many other things. Why is this such a bad thing besides, you know, identity theft? When we lose our unique sense of human human identity, I had a typo there, and rely exclusively on a digital identity, we know that information can be, you know, modified at the click of a button Um, meaning that things like social credit become a very real threat to us liberty lovers and enforcing our compliance by restricting our access to things like money if we don't behave. But another aspect of it that was actually through divine, you know, divine inspiration, through a conversation I had today, whenever we are doing something that has to do with the law, and lawfulness and all that stuff. It's very wise to always keep a keep what's called a wet ink, you know, original or wet ink copy. What that means is you want to print however many copies you need to send out plus three of your own and notarize and sign them all. So they're all original versions. So you send out, let's see, or let's say six or ten copies to all parties involved, and then you keep three to yourself for, you know, for your files. And all three of those, as well as all of the ones sent out, have your actual signature on them.
because your wet signature is your um, it's your word. The third point is without being able to read handwriting, we will within a within a generation or two in my belief we will lose the ability to read historical documents and we'll have to rely on digital copies to translate. And if you don't know why that's a problem, again, go back to the book 1984 on why relying exclusively on digital data is so very dangerous. Now, I do want to touch on this last one um, and expand on it a little bit. So, if you are new to being a liberty lover, I'm going to share about this idea of relying on digital resources and whether um, whether these digital resources are ebooks, audiobooks, cloud storage for documents, videos, etc. Just like throughout history, when there have been literal, physical book burnings and bannings, it becomes really just easier through these online servers to do a mass removal of digital content or a mass modification. If you don't believe me, try using two or three different search engines, one of them definitely being Google, to search for vaccine injuries. Just those two words. And tell me if the first page or several pages aren't full of government and pro-pharma sites that all denounce that injuries are real or that injuries are common, I can almost guarantee you with near certainty that Google in particular, the first several pages will only show you the propaganda and will not show you the resources that are actually collecting data and information on real injuries that are very real and do really happen. And then try using a different search engine like um, DuckDuckGo, Ecosia, Brave, um, even Yahoo um, or Bing. Look at the same exact search on multiple search engines and you will get different results. That in and, of, in and of itself is a rewriting of information to only show the viewer what the producer wants you to see. Another don't believe me. <laughs> now, I'm going to add a disclaimer. Don't actually try this because we've seen enough times of this happening that I I don't recommend doing it so you end up in Facebook jail or YouTube jail, okay? But if you don't believe me on this, you know, book burning and banning kind of, con you know, kind of thing on content, try posting on social media, specific specifically Facebook or YouTube, something like vaccines are harmful, and see how quickly your post gets removed and how quickly you get put into Facebook or YouTube jail. Like I said, don't actually try it because it won't turn out very well. You you will get in Facebook trouble. And here's part of the reason why. Yes, we have freedom of speech in public. Okay. 
in the public square, which is what they, you know, used to call it, like in public space, yes, we have the right to freedom of speech. Now, I get that social media is really misleading because it feels open and public and, you know, accessible by everyone. But we must remember that right to privacy trumps right to free speech in terms of if it's on or in your property or something you own, then you get dibs over what happens on or in that space. So Facebook, for instance, or YouTube, they own that platform meaning it is theirs, and they get to decide what happens on it or what does not happen on it. And it is not a violation of free speech because it is their property. If we don't like it, we need to go elsewhere. And we do. We need to go elsewhere. When the censorship really started, you know, it's been going on for a long time. But particularly since 2020, it's really, really ramped up. And a lot of people decided to boycott and leave those platforms to make a statement. You guys, continuing to use these platforms, and I am just as guilty. I'm speaking to myself here. I try to have a justification that if Facebook is where people are at, that's where I need to be to bring more sheep back into the fold. Lost sheep, not, you know, how people are calling people sheep, you know, thinking, you know, they're calling them stupid or something. No. People who are still learning and just starting to wake up to what's been going on. I feel like it's partly my job in life, my, my purpose in life, to help bring them back to truth. But I can't do that if I keep myself wrapped up in a bubble of like-minded folks over on a platform that allows, you know, us total freedom. Because people are still sucked into the fun, the user-friendliness, the familiarity that is these platforms like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc., So the only way we can really keep getting people off of it is to be there and herd them off of it. But that means then we we too need to have a presence on these freedom-loving platforms. So if you don't have another profile on a freedom-loving platform, I really encourage you to create one today, tonight. And start to say so much about, you know, Zuck, um, you know, spying, basically. But start to help us migrate people away from it. And there's a ton of platforms. There's MeWe, there's Gab, there's um, Wimkin, there's Truth Social, there's Telegram and Signal, um, Rumble, and I can't even think of all of them. Um, Mighty Networks has a lot, a lot of groups that are moving over there. But pick one, at least one, 
and start to migrate. So again, reverting back to handwriting, you know, National Handwriting Day. If you have kids, please be sure to set aside time with them today to practice handwriting. And you can make it fun. Write secret notes or funny jokes to them to find around the house. Or even better, make a riddle-based scavenger hunt. Seriously, do not try to make this boring by, by writing lines. Kids just don't learn as well by sitting down, shutting up, and doing a worksheet as much as they will learn if they have to apply the knowledge for a purpose. I mean, how fun would it be to make your own National Treasure-style scavenger hunt in your own home? Like, even print out copies of the, hand, of the handwritten Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States of America and the Bill of Rights. I mean... I might even do this with my kiddo now. Thanks for, you know, letting me give myself an idea. But make it fun. All right. I am going to pause for a commercial break. And then what I'm going to do is we will move into the word of the day as well as a reading that I have to share with you. Um, It's only a couple pages, but it's part of the Founder's Bible Daily Reading that I've been going through, and um, I think it's really vital to what we're talking about today, especially when our, you know, our first ten amendments, which is the Bill of Rights, are being so heavily violated. So anyway, so pause for commercial, and we'll be right back. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Looking for something different? Looking for something fun? Join Dan every Monday on the Freedomizer Network, 9 to 10.30 Pacific, noon to 1.30 Eastern, for Common Sense with the educated redneck, Dan Ellison. The show about everything and nothing at all. We talk a lot about the kingdom here, and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there 
It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say. You must become a doer of the Word. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty Lovers. This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries, reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific Time, for the Living with Freedom show, where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific, here on Freedomizer Radio. Hey everyone, come check out the Proof Negative Radio Show here on FreedomizerRadio.com Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast as we fight the New World Order and rock the health freedom world together. From watered-down history, the intentional omission of important facts and principles, to agenda-driven opinions, our kids' public domain education is not giving our kids what they need to enter the real world and be critically thinking, problem-solving, non-history-repeating adults. That's where Tuttle Twins come in. Tuttle is T-U-T-T-L-E dot, um, or not dot com. Tuttle is just T-T-T-L-E. <laughs> Tuttle Twins have an entire collection that's always growing for kids of all ages. And honestly, for us adults who want to go back and relearn what we should have learned from the start. To view their shop and all of their content, you can go to TuttleTwins.com backslash ref, R-E-F, backslash living with freedom. All right, and we are back. So in segment one, we really covered um, National Handwriting Day and why I believe this is a really important holiday to celebrate and not just for its face value, but what it means on a deeper level. Next, we're going to talk about the word of the day. And this one, I will admit is a bit long, but it is just focusing on one word. Um, And that word of the day is actually a, a phrase. It's castle doctrine. Like, castle like king's and queen's castle so castle doctrine and for those of you who are tuning in um, i like to get my word of the day from black's law dictionary and i use the edition pdf you can get for free online i think you can find some of them on archive uh, archive.org um, you're welcome to get the 170 plus dollar um, you know, paper version of Black's Law Dictionary. I just can't justify the cost at this point. Um, do I want a copy? Yes, of course. <laughs> but um, no edition is necessarily better or worse than any other that I've seen or heard of. 
Um, but it is a really solid resource. So anyways, castle doctrine. It means a man's home is his castle, and hence, he may use all manner of force, including deadly force, to protect it and its inhabitants from attack. From attack. Doctrine is usually attributed to, um, and I'm thinking this is a case that they're referencing. It says attributed to Coke, 3rd Institute, 1644, but similar phrases are found in Roman law, see self-defense. Oh, so I guess I did have two um, words this time, but they really do tie hand in hand. So self-defense is actually the longer definition of the two. Black's Law Dictionary defines self-defense as the protection of one's person or property against some injury attempted by another, the right of such protection, an excuse for the use of force in resisting an attack on the person, Various state criminal statutes define the conditions of self-defense. The model penal code provides, quote, a person is justified in the use of force against an aggressor when, to, when and to the extent it appears to him and he reasonably believes that such conduct is necessary to defend himself or another against such aggressor's imminent use of unlawful force. One who is not the aggressor in an encounter is justified in using a reasonable amount of force against his adversary when he reasonably believes, A, that he is in immediate danger of unlawful bodily harm from his adversary, and B, that the use of such force is necessary to avoid this danger. It may be reasonable to use non-deadly force against the adversary's non-deadly attack, like one threatening only bodily harm and to use deadly force against his deadly attack, like an attack threatening death or serious body harm, bodily harm. But it is never reasonable to use deadly force against his non-deadly attack. Model Penal Code 3.04. It also says the principles of self-defense as a justification for the torts or assault and battery are very similar to those governing self-defense as justification in criminal law. See restatement, second torts. Um, they also reference some like statutes. Um, it also says, see also apparent danger, defense of others, imminent danger, justification, reasonable force. Whew. I'm not going to go into all of those. The reason I'm bringing up Castle Doctrine, though, is it does pertain to the reading I'm going to share today. So I wanted to get that taken care of first so that when you hear it in the reading, you're not distracted wondering what castle doctrine is. And to go back to the core definition, it's just saying that castle doctrine says that, um, you know, a man's home is his castle and hence he may use all manner of force, including deadly force, to protect it and its inhabitants from attack. All right. So let me scroll back down. Um, all right. I already said that, that I wanted to get the holiday and the word of the day taken care of because we're going to dig into um, an excerpt from, and this is from the Founder's Bible, and the excerpt is from, or is called, Your Right to Life. In the edition of the Founder's Bible that I have, Your Right to Life is 
on pages 127 to 129. So if you have it um, and want to follow along, please be my guest. And I will. The Founder's Bible is pretty massive. It is probably the biggest book that I own right now outside of maybe, you know, a, um, a college textbook. But even then, I think it's still <laughs> the biggest book that I possess um, at this point in time. All right, so we're going to flip to page 127. Do, do, do. Actually, it's a lot farther back than I thought. All right. So in the Founder's Bible, in the Bible portion of it, we would have just read... <clears throat> Hey everyone, come check out the Proof Negative Radio Show here on FreedomizerRadio.com Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast as we fight the New World Order and rock the health freedom world together. Whew. Just had a coughing attack there. <laughs> All right. In the Bible portion of the Founder's Bible... We would have just finished reading Exodus chapter 22. And so they're specifically referencing Exodus 22, verse 2. I might pause throughout this to discuss it, or I might just read it straight through and then go back. Stay with me. (laughs) It says, among the numerous civil laws God gave his people as he was establishing them as an independent nation was one concerning their homes. He told them, quote, if the thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no blood guiltiness on his account, end quote. And that is Exodus 22, too. This verse authorizes homeowners to defend their dwelling, and if in the process of doing so they kill an intruder, they were not guilty in the eyes of God. There was no guilt for shedding the blood of an intruder. This verse forms the basis of what is now known as the Castle Doctrine. It was explained by founding father James Wilson, who I believe is also the one that said um, a law repugnant to the Constitution is null and void. Um, So it was explained by founding father James Wilson, a signer of the Declaration and the Constitution, and an original justice on the U.S. Supreme Court who declared, quote, homicide is enjoined or required when it is necessary for the defense of one's person or house. Every man's house is deemed by the law to be his castle, and the law, while it invests him with the power, places on him the duty of the commanding officer of his house. Every man's house is his castle, and if anyone be robbed in it, it shall be esteemed his own fault or his own default and negligence. End quote. <clears throat> in short, if you were robbed in your home, it was not the police's fault but your own, for God made you the commander of your castle, hence castle doctrine. Several other Bible verses affirm what God authorized in Exodus 22. For example, Jesus noted in Luke 11:21 that, quote, when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed, end quote. <clears throat> and in the book of Nehemiah, 
when lawless brigands, I think that's how you say it, brigands were on the loose, verse 411, God's people went about armed and every man, quote, wore his sword girded at his side, end quote, verse 418. (coughs) So I'm going to pause here for a second. Not only are we here talking about our right to life, our right to protect our property, we're also now talking about our right to keep and bear arms. Now, yes, in biblical times, arms was your sword or a dagger. But it was still your right to keep and bear arms. All right, going back to the reading. Because self-defense is a biblical right given to every individual, it is therefore an inalienable or God-given right. Constitution signer John Dickinson defined an inalienable or inalienable, depending how you pronounce it, right as one, quote, which God gave to you and which no inferior power has a right to take away, end quote. John Adams agreed, explaining that inalienable rights are, hang on, turn the page, quote, rights antecedent to all earthly government. Rights that cannot be repealed or restrained by human laws. Rights derived from the great legislator of the universe, end quote. John Quincy Adams echoed this, avowing that man's inalienable rights are those, quote, given him by his creator, end quote, which can neither be taken from him by force nor transferred from him to anybody else. Quote, hence the rights derived are declared to be inalienable, end quote. In short, inalienable rights are God-given rights that belong to each and every individual, period. The Founding Fathers established American government with the primary purpose of securing to every individual the right to practice his or her inalienable rights. As the Declaration of Independence announced, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Three straightforward principles of American government are set forth in these words. One, there's a creator. Two, he, the creator, gives certain inalienable rights to man, and three, government exists first and foremost to secure to every individual the exercise of his or her God-given rights. In addition to the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness listed in the Declaration of Independence, such as the right to own private property, the Bill of Rights lists other God-given rights such as freedom of religion, freedom of speech, justice in the court system, and many more, including the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, i.e. the biblical right of self-defense. Because this right was given by God, the Founding Fathers urged training for its possible use. Yes, our Founding Fathers encouraged the use and the training of using weapons, muskets. And, and pistols. Okay, back to the um, reading. 
For example, signer of the Declaration and framer of the Bill of Rights, Richard Henry Lee, encouraged, quote, it is essential that the whole body of the people always possess arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them, end quote. <clears throat> this one, you guys, is one of my favorites. <laughs> I love this next one. It says Americans were instructed from their earliest years in their exercise of rights, including um, that found in the Second Amendment. Thomas Jefferson, therefore, advised his young nephew, whom he had raised as a son, quote, a strong body makes the mind strong. As to the species of exercise, I advise the gun. While this gives a moderate exercise to the body, it gives boldness, enterprise, and independence to the mind. Games played with the ball and others of that nature are too violent for the body and stamp no character on the mind. Let your gun, therefore, be the consistent companion of your walks, end quote. I also liked this one. John Quincy Adams agreed. When sent overseas by President James Madison on a diplomatic assignment, he left his son, George Washington Adams, to be cared for by his brother. Concerned about the education of his nine-year-old son, he wrote his brother, quote, one of the things which I wish to have them taught and which no man can teach them better than you is the use and management of firearms. This must undoubtedly be done with great caution, but it is customary among us, particularly when children are under the direction of ladies. <laughs> That's a sign of the times, unfortunately. Anyways, quote, um, under the direction of ladies, to withhold it too much and too long from boys. The accident, the accident which happened among children arose more frequently from their ignorance than from their misuse of weapons, which they know to be dangerous. I beg you, occasionally from this time, to take George out with you in your shooting ex excursions, teaching him gradually the use of the musket, its construction, and the necess necessity of prudence in handling it. Let him also learn the use of pistols and exercise him at firing at a mark. End quote. This is the last paragraph here. Adams is correct. Accidents with youth and guns occur primarily because youth are unfamiliar with guns and how to handle them safely. Strikingly, guns were numerous in the founding era, and every citizen usually owned several but historical records affirm that gun accidents during that period were almost non-existent. The Second Amendment's right to keep and bear arms is the constitutional embodiment of the biblical right of self-defense found in Exodus 22 and other passages, another of the many American rights rooted in biblical teachings. Now, if you want to know the references and the citations quoted, in this passage that I just got done reading, um, shoot me an email or get yourself a copy of the Founder's Bible. If you just do a web search on the Founder's Bible, um, you should be able to find it online pretty easily. Um, David, uh, no, 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 wait. Yeah, David Barton, um, who is the, the founder and president of Wall Builders, is one of the main people who put together the Founder's Bible. 
So another awesome resource by David Barton. Highly recommend it. I'm so grateful for this. I had not planned on necessarily starting over reading the Bible again this year. And yet when I saw, I think it's Patriot Academy, um, saying that they were doing a reading the Founder's Bible in a Year challenge, it just struck me as something I needed to do and was meant to do. Um, and part of it was, one, it's a different edition of the Bible than I had previously read. Um, even though I had cross-referenced a lot of verses with other versions, um, this in its entirety is a different version than the one I read last time. So that I liked too. And I also liked how he really tied in our founders and framers into the concepts we learn as we go through them, biblically speaking, and how to apply it to life and citizenship and our, our government today. Um, i trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, something else that I wanted to do. Let me get that book set aside because that, that's a beast. But one of the other things I wanted to do, if we had time, which looks like we might, is to go over the Bill of Rights. And if you are listening live, I would love to um, see if you recognize anything that we just talked about in the Bill of Rights. Let me... Where? I'll read a transcript. There we go. When I go to this archives.gov, I always end up finding the summary of the Bill of Rights before I find the actual um, Bill of Rights. So, Amendment number one from the U.S. Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the freedom or the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, if you have been listening to the Living with Freedom show, you have heard me reference all of these different parts in other historical texts, whether biblically or from like the Declaration of uh, No, 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 Declaration of Independence um, and others. <clears throat> but here, just in this one. We've already talked about our freedom of religion. Um, and then amendment number two, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So we just talked a lot about, about, lot about the second amendment. I want to draw your attention to those last four words, shall not be infringed. To infringe means to get in the way of, to create obstacles for. I mean, we can look up in, in Black's Law Dictionary the word, the meaning of the word infringe. I'm not going to do that. That can be your homework. <clears throat> but when it says shall not be infringed, that means nothing is supposed to get in its way. They're not supposed to regulate it. They're not supposed to have any say in it whatsoever. And yet every state has gun laws, has 
registration requirements. Shall not be infringed means shall not, will not. It's something we need to really start investigating, you guys. That's that's all I'll say about that because I don't <laughs> – it's already almost 6 o'clock Central Time, and it's starting to show. It's been a long day. <laughs> so I'm not going to become a sassy pants. All right. Amendment number three. No soldier shall, in time of peace, be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. So we didn't really talk about that one, although it is still, you know, freedom of privacy indirectly. All right, amendment number four, the right of the people, oh, 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 here we go. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects, effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. <clears throat> so we have a right to be secure in our person's houses, papers, and effects. Amendment number five, I'm only going to go through the first 10. I'm not going to go through all like 26 in the amendments. Amendment number five, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment of indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service of time of war or public danger. Nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be uh, twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without compensation. Now, we didn't really talk about that one in the reading today, but if you have not listened to Chris Ann Hall's previous podcast, um, in the beginning of... Oh, what is it? I want to say in the beginning of 2019, um, maybe around the March episodes. Um, I know she does it a couple times, but particularly in that period, um, Chris Ann Hall talks a lot about, um, oh, what's it called? I had it, and then I started to describe the podcast, and I lost it. Um Something like civil asset forfeiture or something like that. Well, forfeiture means a giving up of or a giving away of. But in the case of Amendment 5 or the Fifth Amendment, what they're talking about is illegal seizure. If they come and just take your property... That's not forfeiture. That's not you giving it up. That's them stealing it, taking it. So the entire name of it in in their book is kind of a, I think it's a misnomer. I think that's the word for it. It's misnamed, that's for sure. Um, and done very intentionally to be very misleading. All right, anyways, uh, I'm going to keep cruising along. Amendment number six. 
in all criminal prosecutions. The accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. <coughs> All right. I'm pretty sure we know that virtually none of us who have had to deal with the courts have enjoyed the right to a speedy and public trial or by a jury of our peers, which here it says impartial jury, and I don't remember it saying that. That could just be me and my memory, but anyways, we do have those rights. It's a whole other thing, you guys, to fight for those rights and those freedoms, though, because they're not going to just give them to us because they should. We have to make them protect those rights. I apologize if you can hear my dog squeaking in the next room. I do have the door closed, but his squeaky toy is extreme. (laughs) So it is what it is. All right, Amendment 7. In suits at common law where the value of controversy shall exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved, and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise re-examined in any court of the United States than according to the rules of the common law. You guys, this is super important right here. How would I introduce it? Most of the courts that we deal with are administrative courts. If it's a circuit court, it's an administrative court. If it's a family law court, it's probably an administrative court. Administrative courts are not the courts that we were meant to have. I'm not going to read it to you, but if you go to Hillsdale College website, so hillsdalecollege.edu, and you do a search for this guy named Philip Hamburger. Yes, like hamburger you eat. (laughs) Poor guy. Um, One of the first things that should pop up is an article called The History and Danger of Administrative Law. I have glanced through it several times. I think I've actually read through it one time, but this will do justice, the explanation of why we need to stay out of administrative law. So definitely, definitely take a peek at that. I will do my best to share that resource. Um, as soon as I can um, in the show notes but for now <laughs> um, go go do that web search for his name Philip Hamburger um, on hillsdalecollege.edu I believe is what it is alright amendment number 8 excessive bail shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted Amendment 9, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So that's basically saying we have more than just these that are being mentioned here. 
and because, just because we did not mention them here does not mean we don't still have those others. <clears throat> and then Amendment 10, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited it by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. There are a lot of biblical parallels, you guys, to what God's law and God's word is. And I don't mean like God's law as in like Torah. I mean how we're meant to live our lives kind of thing. And like these absolute truths, like right to, you know, protect our property. When we start digging into these absolute truth type parts of God's law, um, it's really empowering to know that these things exist. Um, I'm not going to read you another excerpt. What I am going to do is tell you the name of it um, because it is it is a long one. It's the one from my reading this morning. The one I read to you was from a few days ago. Um, all right. So if you have the Founders Bible, starting on page 146, um, this one is called America's Political Form of Government. It's really good. It's one, two, three, four, five and a half pages. Um, relatively easy read because it's kind of broken down into chunks. Um, definitely worth taking a look at, though. All right. We are going to pause for a break, and then we will come back for segment three, and we'll also do our wrap-up. We'll be right back. Please check out the Proof Negative radio show, Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, that is 6 to 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast, with excellent co-host, outstanding guests, and lots of great conversation. We can even take your calls. The number is 319-527-6208, and just press lucky number one, and you will be on the Proof Negative radio show. We talk a lot about the kingdom here, and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say. You must become a doer of the word. 
what I think you should do? I think you should join us for Dynamic Word Bible Studies, where I am always hosting. My name is Felicia DeRozier, and I have two amazing co-hosts. Cross, the favorite. You wish. This is Mariah, the real favorite child. Oh, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time learning about the Bible and possibly a little time learning about humility. That would be awesome, right? Yeah, Yeah, Ryan. We air live every Wednesday from 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to 10.30. Uh, Right now we're going through the Book of Romans, but we're going to start moving into the Gospel of John. We're going to learn about Jesus. We're going to learn about living and walking in the Spirit and learning to be a little humble with those that we live with. It's going to be a great time. I can't wait for you to join us. Right, guys? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Global Government, The Mystery School, Agenda 23rd, Chemtrails and Geoengineering, Manufactured Disasters. We live in a time when awareness about current events and big media deception is critical to be prepared for the events that are rapidly descending upon us. This is Russ from Delivering the Truth and Exposing the Lies. Join Diana and me every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. as we expose the truth big media keeps lying about. Herbal Medicine, the globalist real agenda, seen through the propaganda. Thursday nights at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you there. Do you love the outdoors? Do you want to help make a difference for the planet? Then get involved in Collectively Rewilding. Collectively Rewilding is a movement to restore degraded ecosystems and reinvigorate sustainable traditions almost lost by working together. It's based on the idea that we can achieve more by working together than we can by working alone. Sharing the skill sets we have built over the years with each other and providing the community support we all need when there is so much work to be done in finding a sustainable future. To join our community here in Collectively Rewilding, go to www.collectivelyrewilding.com. Let's bring nature back into our lives in a community built for the wild in all of us. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty lovers. This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries, reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific time, for the Living with Freedom show, where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific, here on Freedomizer Radio. All right, welcome back. This is segment three on the Living with Freedom show. In almost an episode, no, in segment one, we introduced the holiday of the day, which is National Handwriting Day. I touched on a couple points about why handwriting is so important. Um, First, I really hit on the fact that if we continue to allow computers to control our identity, Um, control our consent it's a really really slippery slope Um, and I I had a couple points about that Um, I also touched on the fact that without learning handwriting within a very very short time 
literally a generation or two, um, we will lose the ability to read historical documents, particularly our founding documents and any of those documents which led to the birth of our founding documents. Um, and then I also talked about how just digitizing things in general leads to the risk of social um, social credit, leads to the risk of mass removal or mass changing and editing of content. Um, yeah, so I also gave the idea of being able to create a fun way to practice handwriting with your kids today. So I do hope you guys take me up on that challenge and this week find a fun way to practice handwriting. Um, if you do it today, do a hashtag on social media, National Handwriting Day, and then like hashtag LWF for Living with Freedom. I would love to see how you guys are creatively using handwriting um, skills to practice with your kids. In segment two, I also introduced our word of the day, which is actually a phrase called castle doctrine. I also touched on the definition of the word self-defense. The reason we talked about or used the word of the day castle doctrine is that our reading of the day, which is your right to life from the Founders Bible, is really, really important in understanding our Bill of Rights and our God-given rights and liberties. God literally gave this command to us that we have, you know, really the obligation to protect our our domain, our home, our castle. And he, did, he gave that command by saying kind of the opposite, that um, if, if an intruder is hurt or if a, if a thief is hurt robbing, you know, your, your castle, um, if they die in your defense of your property, you will not be guilty of that bloodshed. Pretty cool. God was thinking about it. He was very, very smart. I'm curious, what does this whole right to life mean to you? I was going to call this episode right to life, but I realized that that particular phrase, without a qualifier or without anything behind it, can seem really controversial. And I, I, I'm sure you guys understand why I'm saying it means, you know, it has controversial implications because right to life is, you know, a big abortion topic and, and you know, birth right topic. And yes, this can be taken that direction. But I love that here he really focused on right to life, meaning be secure in your life and in your property, in your home, in your domain. And I think for me, that also solidifies why it's so important to to know our rights, to be able to defend our rights, and to act on them. Because there are different domains. When you're in your home, you're in your private domain. Versus when you're on the street or in a public building or in the public square, that is public domain. You see, when we start to forget or don't put 
and effort to learn these things, it is really easy for us to voluntarily give up these rights for a false sense of security. And our quote leaders, if you can even call them that, in government have become masters at fear porn. If you're new to the show, I like to call fear false evidence appearing real. Now, we do recognize, I I do want to recognize that threats are real. Threats do exist. And there is such a thing as preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. And in that place, there is so much uncertainty that we cannot become blind to the possibility that nothing could, you know, nothing might happen. Yes, it's also prudent to be prepared for the worst to happen also. But we should not go around expecting the worst to happen. And yes, I believe in God. And yes, this next thing I'm going to say is a very, quote, new age thing. And yet I do believe biblically this concept exists. It's just that the secular world has has done a very good job at describing the concept. And that concept is the law of attraction. That which you give energy and thought into becomes your reality. So when you think and you focus on all the bad things and all the negative things in your life, you start to condition, one, you start to condition yourself to only see those negative things. But I do believe that because we don't have faith that good things can happen, that we're not asking and believing that God can and does give us good things. It's for those who believe and have faith that will receive the blessings. So if you're in a space where it's really hard to believe these truths, to really believe good things can happen and good outcomes can happen, insert in front of the thing that's hard to believe the following phrase. There's a real possibility that. So we could say there's a real possibility that my neighbor will drop the argument. There's a real possibility that I misunderstood what that person said. Whatever, you know, fill in the blank. I'm just using really generic examples, but... I understand that especially when we have been pooped on in life or when it feels like we've been pooped on by Satan, um, it's hard to believe that God's got our back. So if we can at least open ourselves to the possibility that we can get out of the situation, we can overcome the situation, you know, insert thing, our minds, our brains cannot actually distinguish between fiction and reality. So when we allow ourselves to at least imagine that there is a possibility out there that opens the door to faith and hope and belief, 
that something better does exist and will enter our lives or will happen. That is the law of attraction. Now, yes, law of attraction people often talk about universe. But God gave us wisdom of discernment. So instead of talking or, or, or like setting intentions with universe, just pray to God instead. Like, as a believer, I don't understand what is so freaking difficult about other believers 100% dismissing things like the law of attraction or 100% dismissing yoga because someone that was not a Christian or not a believer capitalized on that thing before a Christian did. And who knows? Maybe believers at some point in history did do or use those things, but that because of corruption in the church, it was squashed because it was giving people too much freedom and liberty to enjoy their own faith. And it was taking the power away from the church, away from the leaders. I truly believe that God gave us all of this knowledge and all of these resources, all of the plants and the rocks and, you know, all of the things on this earth for us to use for good. And just because someone has turned and used it for bad does not mean we cannot restore it to be used in a God-honoring way. So if you believe that God gave um, us amethyst or quartz to have a healing property and a healing frequency that helps our bodies regulate because God is energy, God is frequency, God is light, God is love. All these things are frequency and energy. And if we believe that, we can believe that the rock that God put on this earth, we can use for our healing, for our benefit. Now, I'm not saying worship the rock. Absolutely not. I'm not talking about that at all. We should not be creating idols. We should not be worshiping any other gods before our God. And... We can also recognize that every single thing placed on this earth can be used for our good to serve God. Then we should not be shunning and poo-pooing on people who use crystals. We should not be poo-pooing on people who discovered that the movements that are done in yoga can be very healing and, and healthy for the body. If nobody told you that a certain movement was supposed to be um, a salutation to the sun god, you wouldn't know that. It's because someone told you that that's what that meant. That's why it's evil. Well, then don't do it to, you know, as a salutation to a sun god or to the sun. Do it as a salutation and greeting to God, to Jesus. Like, for real, you guys. And I'm not necessarily, like, yeah, I'm not yelling, but I'm, I'm being very passionate. I'm not necessarily yelling at you guys. Because for all I know, you guys are open to the reality that God gave us all of this stuff for our use. And to have our own discernment on how to do it in a God-honoring way. 
talking to the Christians who who just sadly been in this echo chamber of anything that is not what I was taught in these four walls of this church building by the guy up front, not the guy above, not God, but the guy up front preaching and teaching that his word is ultimate truth. If we're not tuning in to God and only listening in to another human being, we will not be successful in our faith journey. All right. So where was I going with that whole side tangent? Um, Man, that was, (laughs) that really took me off guard. I did not expect to go on that little rant. Um, (laughs) Anyways. Oh, getting back to God's word being truth, I think, is is where I was going. We can rely on that as our foundation. We absolutely can. Having just a right cover to cover, I see the value in learning about the old ways, about the Old Testament, and I also see how it was fulfilled through Jesus. And there are so many things that we aren't taught about that are skipped over or fully ignored in modern churches that I think if we knew we would feel so much more empowered to then also follow God's word in terms of how we're supposed to live our lives on earth like as citizens of our country you know with our fellow man with our fellow woman dig into it definitely encourage you to get that founder's bible and see if you can catch up we're not even through the month of january there's plenty of time to catch up we are only on let me see today is tuesday so we only read through exodus 33 if you read two days worth at a time let's see today is the 23rd tomorrow's the 24th if you read two days worth at a time, in 12 days you'll be caught up. 12 days, you guys. That's not even a big deal. So, yeah, it takes time to get the book. I understand that. And I think you can get an, yeah, um, like a digital version. Um, but read two sections a day. You know, set your alarm a half hour earlier than you normally would or... You know, get ready for bed and settle down a half hour earlier or, you know, read later than you normally do. Find a time, though, during your lunch break. You know, we're supposed to get a half hour lunch break unless you're a mom of, of, you know, kids that are home. (laughs) It's doable, though. And let's do it together. We There is a, a Telegram channel that does go through and share some about it each day. Um, but we can start our own group chat about it, whatever. Like I have a group chat for, um, for prayer stuff. Maybe we can use that a bit for discussing the, the readings of the day, whatever. (laughs) All right. We're going to start with our wrap up because we are seven minutes to close. Coming up next week, I 
have my friend and fellow PMA lander or PMA landian. I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> fellow fellow PMA member and um, someone else who has their own ministry. We'll say it that way. <laughs> um, anyways, her name is Sarah Poet, and we are going to have some really, really interesting explorations about where we sit, being where we consent, um, and also particularly for women, this concept of maternal gift exchange in terms of the value on our time, on our energy, our creations. But really this concept about consent, where we sit, we consent. And this isn't just in the physical sense. It's what we watch. It's what we listen to. It's, you know, who our Facebook friends are, who we encounter and exchange with, who, you know, what videos we watch on social media, all of that. The environment that we are in, we're consenting to. So consider what are you consenting to? Sarah's going to dig into that a lot more. Um, in one of her email um, newsletters, she talked about both of these things, two separate emails, but they really struck a chord with me. So I invited her on. We were supposed to be on last week. That's when I got sick. Um, so we're going to do it next week, though. And I'm also really excited for Sarah to share a bit more about some of what she offers, including some masculine-feminine dynamic stuff for couples. And I apologize, Sarah. I probably butchered the description of it, but that's kind of my current takeaway. Regardless of what, what it's actually called, which we'll learn more about next week, but regardless, I think it's really going to be a level up from, you know, from traditional couples counseling. A lot of us have been doing a lot of personal work to level up our consciousness, how we choose to exist in the world. And traditional couples counseling just doesn't cut it anymore. When people are becoming empowered and, you know, seeking out wisdom. So I think this this leveled up dynamics exploration is something the world really needs as we level up in so many other ways. Also, starting February 13th and going every other week for three sessions into March, which I'll pull up the calendar quick. So let's see, February 13th, February 27th, and then March 12th. Um, we will have a three-part series. And it's going to be with my longtime friend, Brittany. On, uh, well, she's going to be sharing what she's doing with self-empowerment, self-care, and more. And I feel like it's really going to come at a perfect time when so many are struggling to keep up their New Year's resolutions. And Honestly, it's in yet another way to level up just how we currently seem to be missing or what we, I should say, what we seem to be missing in this whole resolutions, goal setting, productivity driven world that we live in. So often we're so focused on results that we forget about the journey along the way. Have you ever had a deadline where as soon as a deadline was like approaching, or right afterward, you crash and you get sick. That's called burnout. 
that's overdoing it. That's pushing your body in a way that it can't handle. But when we start to incorporate some of the things that Brittany is going to share with us, we start to learn how to be healthier, how to build up endurance in a healthy way, in a sustainable way, and in a restorative way. So we can handle when there are increases in activity for a period so we don't have that crash and burn afterward. So today we covered the holiday of the day, which was National Handwriting Day. We also covered the word of the day, which is Castle Doctrine, as well as a supporting, a supporting word, which was self-defense. We listened to, well, you guys listened, I read. <laughs> we listened to an excerpt from the Founder's Bible called Your Right to Life. It was written by David Barton. He includes a lot, a lot, a lot of citations of other works. Um, several by the founding fathers or about the founding fathers and things that they directly said. Um, and then we really talked about how to use our scripture as our guiding post for our God-given rights, how to live, how to exist in the world today, and how to defend our rights. So this has been episode 27 of the Living with Freedom show. I'm your host, Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Remember to schedule this show in your calendar every Tuesday, normally from 2 to 3.30 Central, noon to 1.30 Pacific. Thanks again. We'll see you next week where we continue to explore what living a life of freedom looks like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. Have a great day. Oh, and of course, Every time I try to search the closing um, music, it freezes on me. All right, here we go. See you guys later.